This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're speaking with Dr. Jeff Livingston at MacArthur OBGYN in Texas. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Livingston. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, for starters, please tell us a little bit about your practice, including how many physicians are involved. Sure. We are a, a decent-sized practice in Irving, Texas, uh, right between Dallas and Fort Worth. There are five doctors in my group and one nurse practitioner. Our practice is uh, very um, demographically diverse. We have uh, lots of patients with, with insurance, lots of fee-for-service patients, and we also take care of a lot of Medicare and Medicaid patients as well. So we really cross the spectrum on the demographics that we see here in this office. I understand that your practice is using a lot of different methods to communicate with patients, including we are a, a, a patient portal with secure email, uh, text messaging, Facebook. Were your patients demanding these new approaches to communication? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure that the patients are, were demanding it necessarily, but they sure have caught on quick to, to what we're doing. We started using social media um, several years ago. There's actually a, a funny story behind that. Our Our first... Uh, outreach into the social media was through MySpace, and that has an interesting history to it. One of the areas of my practice that I really enjoy is, is adolescent care and teen pregnancy prevention and sexually transmitted disease prevention. So I, I spend some time volunteering at the, the local high schools uh, in my area doing talks for kids, and I was at home one night, and I was watching my teenage daughter on the Internet. And I said, you know, what, what, what is that? What are you doing? And she was on MySpace. And it, it sort of hit me that here I'm, I'm volunteering my time, and I'm trying to do these talks to connect with kids, but I'm not really doing it in the way that they communicate with each other. So my, my teenager actually made my very first uh, social media outlet, which was my MySpace page. And the next time I did a talk at a high school, I put that up, and, and the, the feedback and the interaction was, was pretty incredible. So since then, we've moved into Facebook and, and Twitter and uh, and then installed the Sage Practice Portal, which we can, I'm sure we're going to talk about. And the patients really have caught on. I, I can't say that, that they demanded this because I think this is new for them, and, and there's really a learning curve for patients to understand how to use these things with their doctor and really even to know that they can use these things with their doctor. But once they do, they don't go back. They, they, they really like it. And it really spreads like wildfire. Okay, tell us a bit about the portal. Describe how patients use it and outline what steps you're taking to make sure that the communications through the portal stay secure. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I always tell people if they're going to have a, a social media presence, or really even if you're going to have a, an interactive website, you're kind of telling the patients that you want them to get healthcare information online. And, and you've got to give them a means to communicate with you. And as you know, through through HIPAA laws, you can't distribute personal health information in a non-secured environment. So as our popularity in on the Internet and in the social media world was growing, we had a gap, and, and we needed ways for patients to be able to communicate with us. And, and patients were wanting to email, and we needed a legal way to do that. So the Sage Practice Portal really really solves that problem for us. Now, we were already using the Sage EHR and Practice Management System, so we were already comfortable with that company, and we sort of went to them and said, Here, here's a need in our practice. What can you do? And then out popped the portal. So we installed that only about 10 months ago, 
And we pick up an average of 50 new users per week. So it's really catching on. So the way that works, from the patient's perspective, it's just an email. And it, and it looks like simple email, and it acts like simple email, and they're very comfortable with it. But what, it, what in reality what's happening from the doctor's side, we're sending an email. That personal health information is staying behind a firewall. And the patient is receiving an email message that says, you have a message waiting from your doctor, click here. And so the patients will click here. They now log in, and now they're also back behind the firewall. So even though a communication went out from me to the patient, what I'm really doing is, is, is informing them to go log in behind the firewall. And then once they're behind the firewall, the personal health information stays there. I, I think, you know, for patients that can be confusing and they don't, really need to know the the technology aspects to this, but they're getting their health information basically as fast as as, as I do. Um, this morning, as I was preparing for, for this podcast, I did all of my lab work in about uh, 20 minutes, and about half the patients um, are signed up for the SAGE portal, and they're going to get it electronically, and the other half will get an old-fashioned uh, letter in the mail. So, you know, I think the there is no security issue. I, I like to talk about this in, in terms of a bank. We all do this where we get an email message that says your account balance is ready, and then we click on the link and we log in securely and, and we look at our bank account information. And I don't think any of us are worried that, oh, my gosh, my, my bank information is being blasted through Gmail or Hotmail. That's not how that works. And in the healthcare world, it works the same way. And so this is a secure environment, just like your money is in the in the bank. Now, can your patients go to the portal and uh, schedule an appointment or ask a question, that kind of thing? Sure. So the, the portal has all sorts of possibilities. So when they go to our website, so they go to macobgym.com, there's going to be a link at the top that says to log into your Sage Practice portal. Now, once they do, um, they are sort of within a website within the website. So it'll, it will feel like they're just interacting with our website, but in reality, they're now logged in to their chart. So they have the ability 24 hours a day to view their entire medical record. They can read every doctor's note, every lab visit, every ultrasound, anything that I have access to, they've got access to. This also allows them to uh, print anything they they want. If they need to take their uh, records to another doctor, uh, they can do that. They can schedule their appointments online. They can ask questions. They can do prescription refills. Um, pretty much anything that they need to do, they, they have access to right there. So the patients love that. They love that access. Now, from the, the office side, we love that too. What, what we'd like to do is, is eliminate phone calls because we can handle most of these problems electronically much, much, much faster and much more efficiently electronically. Uh, a prescription refill, literally my nurses or I will get the request for that. We can either renew it or not renew it. And in one click, we've now sent an electronic prescription, and then we can notify the patient through the portal that their prescription is, is sent to the pharmacy. Now, if you think about a phone call, now, in, in reality, what happens in most doctors' offices are, is the patient calls, the front desk answers. They forward that to the medical assistant. The medical assistant can't answer the phone at that second. It goes to their voicemail. At some point in the morning, the medical assistant listens to the voicemail, calls the patient back, but now the patient doesn't answer, so you leave a voicemail. 
And so you've got five phone calls going back and forth just to say, I need my birth control pills refilled. So making this electronic is much better for the patient and much more efficient for the office as well. Under what circumstances do doctors on your staff use text messaging to communicate with patients, and how do they address security there? Yeah, we, we don't do a lot with, with text messaging. I think that's uh, an up-and-coming question in the, in the health IT world. Right now, when a patient creates a Sage Practice Portal account, what they're going to do is they're going to put the email address where they want to be notified. Now, this is all designed from a company called Cryptic, and what Cryptic can do is, is design that message to go however they want. That could go to a text messaging system, which, again, no personal health information would go, but the patient would receive a text message that says you have a message waiting. You would click on the link, and then that would log you into the practice portal behind the firewall. And that's one way that, we, that you could do it, and, and we've sort of uh, we're, we've been talking about how to do that. But we've tried to stay away from text messaging specifically because I think the, the legality of it and the, is a little bit difficult. It's also interesting to watch what patients are doing with their cell phones. And in our office, we can walk out to the waiting room and look out in the lobby, and we're going to see lots of Blackberries and lots of, of iPhones. And all of my email is done through my iPhone, and it, it pops up. So, you know, for me, whether it was an email or a text messaging with the phone that I have now, it's not all that relevant. I'm, uh, I still have mobile access. And I've literally seen patients check in and then sit in the waiting room and sign up for the practice portal on their, on their cell phone. So I, I think we are still moving things to mobile technology, but we've, we've shied away a little bit from SMS messaging just because of uh, security. Tell us about your Facebook presence and how you use Facebook now to educate patients. Sure. So, you know, social media is the thing I'm, I'm most excited about and uh, something I love to, love to talk about. And it's really just been a, a wonderful uh, hit in our practice. It, it's really growing in popularity, and, uh, and the patients just seem to, to love it. So, again, I started originally with MySpace, and at the time MySpace was, uh, was, was all the rage. And I've sort of gravitated away from that as MySpace has, has dwindled in popularity and Facebook has taken over. And what I love about Facebook is I'm able to have my own personal page, and I'll use that to interact with friends and friends and family, but I have a practice page as well. And so, you know, that's Facebook, um, Mac OBGYN. And so our patients are really funneled to that and not to my, to my personal page. If you're on our website, there's a link. You click on that. It's going to take you to the MacArthur OB-GYN page. And what we do there, and I think this is it's confusing to people, we're not diagnosing. We're not communicating one-on-one. Um, we're not pushing personal health information via Facebook. What we're trying to do here is push out healthcare information, things that, that, are, that the doctors here in this group are important or, or, or would be interesting to our patients. We're pushing that information out there. We're also trying to increase brand awareness, so anything that our doctors are involved in, if our doctor is giving a lecture at a high school or a church group, we'll put that on. Uh, our practice was recently featured on um, Channel 5 News here in Dallas, so we put a video clip of, of that news story onto our page. And so, and then what you see the patients doing is they're posting pictures of their their newborns um, and, and saying thank you for the delivery, and then we'll comment back how how cute your baby is. But we're really just developing community, 
And, you know, I think in healthcare, if the doctors and the patient, if they can't communicate, then the healthcare isn't very good. And so, and in today's world where doctors have to see patients quickly and you have to see a high volume of patients, you have the risk of losing that very special human element in the doctor-patient relationship. And so the idea here is to use advanced technology, use Facebook and Twitter, but to extend that time that we get to spend together and extend that relationship and and improve the the human element to the doctor-patient relationship. And, you know, I think it works. There's a a section in our Facebook page um, under our discussion board where the patients can comment about their experience at our local hospital. And it's, it's actually probably one of my favorite moments in, the, in, in everything we've ever done on Facebook. I, I love this. There's a patient that, that had a delivery, and she's reviewing her experience in the hospital. And she talks about what a, what a great experience she had and, and how wonderful the nurses were. And she mentions a couple of the nurses by name and, and compliments their care. Well, those nurses happen to be on our page as well. And so the next post back is from the nurse that says, you know, what a pleasure it was to take care of you and how wonderful you did, and we're glad we could be part of your special day. And so so here in this giant world that we live in, where, where no one can talk to anyone and no one has time to do anything, we've created community, and, and we've created a better experience for the patient, and we've linked the nurses and the patients and and everyone back together and it, it's really a beautiful moment to see see happening right before your eyes and and honestly I had very little to do with that that's all happening sort of naturally on its own and it, it's really neat to see when communicating via Facebook are there guidelines that physicians use to guard against uh, privacy violations limits on what kind of information they communicate. Absolutely, and, and, and it's very simple, and there's, there's lots of discussion about this and lots of controversy about doctors using social media. It's very, very, very simple. No personal health information. That's it. That's all you got to know. No personal health information. So if you look at our page, and I'm just I'm pulling it up and scrolling through it, so here are some of the items that we have. There's a video clip of the news story that, that aired about us last week. The next post is April is uh, STD, Sexually Transmitted Disease Awareness Month. So there's a a podcast that I posted from the Center for Disease Control. The next post down is a picture uh, that a patient posted of her newborn baby. And then the the next topic is one, since Mother's Day is coming up, I just asked the question, what do moms actually like to get on Mother's Day? And there's a series of comments back and forth from the patient. So what you can see there, we're not diagnosing, we're, we're not treating specific issues. Very rarely has someone posted, a patient posted something on our page that, that I thought maybe crossed the line, and, and if they did, that gets deleted immediately. So this is not one-on-one communication. The Internet is great, and, and, the, and people now have the ability to research their disease and research treatment options. And I think that's wonderful. I think that, that's great. The, the more engaged, the better educated the patient can be, the better our healthcare can be. But uh, one of the drawbacks of the Internet is there's, there's too much. If I say, you know, what are my birth control options on Google, I'm going to get a billion responses. And if I'm not a medical person, it's hard for me to sort through that. But if your doctor is sorting through that for you, and we're sorting out relevant news stories that we think are well-written and good, and we can direct your eyes there, 
we're sort of helped filtering down the giant world of the Internet into something that, that patients can actually manage. And I think the doctors in all different specialties, they have tremendous ability to do that. You know, last year there were some controversial news stories about new mammography guidelines or new mammogram guidelines. And I can imagine a patient Googling that and then trying to figure out what to actually pay attention to. And I don't know, but my guess there were thousands of, of articles and blog postings about that. Well, I picked a couple that I liked, and, and right while that news story was, was hot, I had a posting about that, which was a, a well-written article that I, that I posted for people to, to help them, again, sort through the, the chaos of the Internet and narrow that down. Twitter, I think, is even better for that than, than Facebook. Twitter really allows a lot of quick thoughts that I have uh, or quick articles that I find. I can push that out really, really quick, even easier than, than Facebook. So go ahead, talk to us a little bit more about how you use Twitter then. Do you use it to uh, steer people to new things you have on Facebook? Twitter and Facebook, it's funny how they, they sort of evolve on their on their own, even different than, than how you pictured it. I, I pictured in my head at the time that Twitter would allow me to, to very quickly uh, send out articles and topics and thoughts to all of my patients. And it's very interesting how it's evolved. Facebook has, has stayed within the practice, and, and most of our fans are, are patients locally uh, in my community. And there are some people nationally that will, will follow us just because they're interested in the unique things that we're doing in the practice. But for the most part, I mean, it's, it's our patients. And, oh, during the swine flu outbreak, one of the problems we had in Texas was uh, patients wanted the vaccine, but the availability was poor, and we would get boxes of 20 or 30 doses of vaccines randomly, and we never knew sort of when they were coming. So what I started doing on our Facebook page is as soon as we got some doses in, I would post it, and we'd have patients that afternoon come come by the office and get their get their vaccine, and we'd run out, and then I'd post it again the next time it came up. Now, Twitter has very evolved um, globally. We, we certainly have our own patients following us, and, and that's nice because, again, that was my original vision. But what's real interesting is we have a huge number of, of followers all over the country and really all over the world. And so I think some of that has to do just because we're sort of early adopters and, and doing some things with social media that other other practices aren't doing, and I think people are, are following us to, to do that. And... As I personally have gotten involved in, in Twitter, and there's some topics that I that I follow, um, I think we just sort of developed the following that way. So, so I try with Twitter not to keep my tweets too narrow. I try not to focus just on a little thing that's happening in our practice. But with Twitter, I try to post things that are more relevant to healthcare or women's health or social media use in general, because that seems to be who's who's following us. There, for anyone interested in, in getting into this uh, social media and healthcare world, there is a, a wonderful group uh, that, that meets on Twitter every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And I use uh, a website called TweetChat to make it manageable. But the group is Health Communication and Social Media, or the code on Twitter is the, the pound sign hashtag, so hashtag HCSM. And, and this is a group that, that I stumbled upon, and they really pushed me, and, and I really learned so much from them about 
how we can communicate and, and how we can push the limits of the doctor-patient relationship using technology. And uh, I really credit them with a lot of, of my education in the social media world. Well, thanks, Dr. Livingston. We've been speaking to Jeff Livingston of MacArthur OBGYN. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.